So here we are. This is, this is the last Sunday of Karenport Community Church as we've known it. Now, there's probably, oh yeah, it's the State of the Union, right? Because we're, we're unifying. You get that? Blaine got that. It's a pun. It's a shout out to our former pastor. Thank you. We're going to come to a day like this, and we're going to come to next week and the week after that, and the time ahead of us, I'm sure, with, with a mixture of joy and excitement, and you know, this is an answer to prayer for many people, to see brothers and sisters in the Lord coming together and worshiping and celebrate what unites us rather than things that divide us. Of course, there's going to be some anxiety. Any new thing that you choose to embrace in life normally means saying no to some other things, right? Getting married means you say no to being single and some of the freedoms that that provides you. Being a student means that you say no to doing other things, playing video games all day, uh, spending all your money on other things, playing on a sports team. You know, you have to commit to coming to practice and being available on the weekends when you travel, and that means that your time is not your own. Anything you choose to embrace, even the best things possible, will mean that some things, some things you say no to. And that can be difficult. Change, change is not something we all just naturally embrace. There'll be concerns, I'm sure, about how are we going to all get along together. Maybe there are even concerns about, you know, people from the other congregation. Maybe there are tensions there. And some of you, all of us probably, at, at various points along the way here, want more information. Well, today is the day. So in the time that we have together this morning, I, I know I'm not going to be able to communicate all possible facts and bits of information. We don't know all of those yet, as, as we've prayed about. What I can do is communicate the most important information, about where things are at, and hopefully cast a vision for where things are going to go in the future. We won't get super granular about that because it, it's not really the place of me or any other staff members or our church board to impose a giant master plan on everyone. A lot of what we're going to be and how we're going to, to live together as brothers and sisters in Christ in one body, that needs to arise from the people that are doing different ministries within the congregation. And we trust that the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us will raise those things up among us. However, it is important, like I said, to communicate the things that that our church board has decided on already and the things that are the most important. So I recognize that some of you will have been away for the whole summer, or maybe just quite a bit of it, you might not have heard all of what was happening between the two congregations during that time. Some of you may have just heard bits and pieces. I'll try to give you a short rundown here of, of how we got to where we are now, and then we'll, we'll do some further communicating about where we're going. Throughout the spring of this year, it became pretty apparent that both congregations, Cairnport Community Church and The Gathering, were, were going through some significant changes, particularly in how they were staffed. Uh, So in our church, uh, Pastor Rick Klippenstein, who had served here for many years, most recently as our community outreach pastor, uh, decided to retire, or as he put it, have the the church leadership remove his name from the payroll. Uh, So that that was one thing that happened in our church context. 
another important one was Pastor Andrew Russell moved on from a half-time position at this church uh, to a full-time associate pastor role at a church near Edmonton. As well, at, at the gatherings, significantly, Kevin Fawcett, who had been the pastor there throughout the, the whole lifetime of that congregation, uh, moved on from his position, and he's now accepted a pastoral role in Portage La Prairie, Manitoba. So both congregations were going through some pretty significant transitions. And the leadership bodies of both groups met in late spring, and as we recognize that this season of transition might be one where the Lord was stirring up something and direct us towards some new reality, perhaps unifying, perhaps something else entirely. As we gathered and we sought the Lord and we prayed, it became apparent that indeed he was directing us to begin the journey of becoming one congregation. The timeline, though, at, at that point was still uncertain. And so I went away on holidays uh, at the end of June, kind of expecting that a church date, uh, a church unification date was somewhere well off in the future. Uh, however, by the time I returned in early July, the wheels had begun to turn. This was the Lord's doing, and it became apparent that our mode of operation from here on in was kind of just going to be, the Lord's doing something, hang on, and that's about all we could do. It became apparent that the season to unify was soon, and we decided the best course of action, though it would be a lot of work, was to begin the fall term with a unified church. And then, like I said, the race was on. There were some challenging things to work through, of course. However, through it all, we remained very convinced that this was the Lord's leading, this was his work, and if he was calling us to do this, then he would be faithful in seeing us through if we just followed him in obedience. And so here we are. We realized quite quickly that we were forming one new church out of two. And as such, it was important that we choose a new name. Various things were proposed, people have been asking, and so I hope it's not too anticlimactic to announce that from now on, we will be called simply the Church in Karenport. I know that that's not uh, terribly creative, but as we sat together, we said, well, what are we? We're a church. Where are we? We are in Karenport. And you know, there's something, there's something biblical about that, too. This community, like Corinth and Ephesus, has a church. That's how the apostles addressed the churches in the New Testament. We have one church in our community as well, and we now have the added blessing of meeting together for worship week by week. One of the realities that we addressed early on as we discussed this unification was that both churches were going to be in need of significant staff hires, but not the same ones. So there were, a big part of this discussion was that there were two paths before each congregation. Either both kind of pursued hiring staff and went their separate ways, or at least in parallel, or this was a time when a merger, a unification, would happen quite naturally we decided to, to take that second option. I will remain in my full-time role as the lead pastor of the new unified congregation. My role is going to look pretty similar to what most of you will have experienced week in, week out. Over the last year, I'll continue to carry the majority of responsibility for preaching. We'll aim to have other voices in the mix as well, experienced ones, as well as those sometimes who are learning and growing in experience. I'll continue to focus on the leadership of our staff and key volunteers and the church as a whole in conjunction with our leadership board. Continue to provide pastoral care, especially surrounding significant life milestones and challenges. Heather Terrace, 
from the gathering staff will remain on staff full-time as well with the title, again, nothing really creative here, of associate pastor. Naturally, a big emphasis for her at the gathering has been worship, and that, of course, will continue here. Uh, that includes music, but it extends to the gathered worship of the congregation more broadly. And so for that reason, service planning is one area where I'm going to take a step back from direct involvement, uh, and I'm quite happy to do that in order to have more time to focus on pastoral care in particular. We realized that making a congregation suddenly much larger was going to mean I was going to have responsibility for a lot of people I didn't even really know. And so for that reason, we needed to find some ways to give me more time freed up to do pastoral care, even just simply getting to know people. I do want to say right off the start that even early on in this process, a big part of our unification discussion was the fact that Heather and I believed we could work well together, and we still believe that. As for the other aspect of her role outside of gathered worship, she'll function pastorally where needed most in terms of equipping and supporting lay leaders as they fulfill the ministry of the church, and that will likely change from one season to the next, depending on kind of what's most needed at any one time, and hence the, the rather generic title. Grace will continue on in her half-time role in the church office. She's got a year under her belt now and has pretty much done everything possible at one point or another. That said, she knows it's been a year of growth, and I think she would want me to say that she's thankful for your support and your patience over these last 12 months, and she's eager to continue serving you, helping to keep things running. Chad Foreman will continue on in his volunteer staff role as our church treasurer. He brings a lot of experience and expertise to his role, and seriously, we are very fortunate in our church that we have somebody that is as experienced and has as much knowledge and skill as Chad has. When I read, uh, you know, stories of what goes on at other churches, financially-wise, I say a prayer of thanks to the Lord uh, for what we have in Chad in making our church run well and trusting that the finances are well taken care of. Earlier on this year, we began to pursue a children's ministry or family ministry pastoral role. Uh, some of that had to be put on hold in the interests of coming together as one church body, but we do have some things in the works, and we will be announcing those quite shortly as to what children's ministry is going to look like in the season ahead. There will be children's ministry. I want to assure you of that, and we will carry on there. Uh, same with our junior high youth ministry uh, in discussion with Jesse Gulledge as to whether we can make a similar arrangement to what we had last year, and that seems like he will be agreeable to that. Um, just a word there, that's a very important age group. We hear a lot about young people losing their faith, walking away from their faith once they leave home after high school and go to university and so forth. But in many of those cases, further studies show that that was the end of a journey that often began in the middle school years, uh, grade seven or eight. So we want to intentionally be engaging uh, those kids in that age group. Very important. I've mentioned several times that our leadership groups met to make this happen. Everyone on our church board and the visioning team at the gathering was invited to continue on as a member of our new church leadership board. And not everyone did, but that was mainly for reasons having to do with, uh, they would have been stepping off anyhow for, for personal reasons, for life reasons, beginning a doctorate, things of that nature. 
The new board consists of John Bechtold, Jeremy Demoskoff, Joy Demoskoff, Mark Duncan, Joy Foreman, Darren Gordon, David Hindrager, Kelly Hindrager, Bob Kruger, Leanne Raymer, Tessa Riley, Jason Wendell, and Julie Wendell. Mark Duncan, currently back at the soundboard, will continue on as our board chair. Darren Gordon, who served as the moderator of the Gathering Visioning Team, will serve us as vice chair. And if you've never been on a church board or any other kind of a board, you might not realize how much work goes into a role like this, the extra meetings and the solving of conflicts. And If you see these, these people around in the next weeks ahead, I, I encourage you to encourage them. Uh, they've really done a lot over this summer, and their, their work is not finished yet, so please give them your support and your encouragement. I would also like to say a special thank you to our former CCC Vice Chair, Bob Kruger. Bob was gracious enough to allow someone else to take his spot on the new board, and while he no longer has a specific title on our church board, I wish man who remembers everything, has a background in HR, is super encouraging, and can smooth out most any conflict or difficulty, was a title, but that's too long to put in print. Uh, but I am grateful for Bob's work over the years here. Our first service will be outdoors on September 8th for a welcome barbecue, weather permitting, of course. And we'll meet beginning on September 15th in here, the Hildebrand Chapel, at 10.30. I know some of you will rejoice that we're finally back in the Hildebrand Chapel. Others may need a little bit of convincing, but truthfully, it's going to be the only space that's going to hold the whole group comfortably. Practically speaking, it means that the weekly labor of love or of hate, of setting up chairs, uh, will be over. At a more idealistic level, it means that this space, which so many people prayed for and sacrificed for and labored for throughout the 1980s to bring this to completion, will get some more use each week. It will continue to be a house of worship on Sunday morning. It's likely, however, that we will move out of here to another location that's a bit smaller for the summer months because lots of people are away. At this point, I think it's important that there's the information. I would like to talk a little bit about what our mission is as a unified church here in this community. Uh, it's not going to look that different to what you've seen in the past. Our mission statement is that the church in Karenport will be a community devoted to seeking the triune God revealed in Scripture and to making disciples nurtured for kingdom service. Not anything that different than what you've heard before, very similar to our old CCC mission statement. It's a bit of, it is important though to take some time. This is something we really do want to motivate us to be a guiding light for what we do in this community. Right, because we can, we can hear these words, but what these words mean when applied to our hearts and our minds, that will motivate us and inspire us to acts of worship and service. So first point, devoted to seeking. It's our intention that a, a commitment to the Lord and his work is a deep and rich commitment, right? You can agree or give your assent or check a box in regards to a proposition or an idea. But if you're devoted then you are fully in. You're in at the, the whole person level, as Scripture talks about, with your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Devoted is to be fully committed, fully engaged. It, it's really about a kind of covenant commitment that the Scripture speaks of. Now, there is a sense, unfortunately, where seeking 
can kind of conjure up vague ideas about wandering aimlessly, always traveling and journeying and never arriving, and really having no destination. That's not what we mean when we say seeking the God of Scripture. We, we take that from the biblical idea of seeking the Lord. For instance, Psalm 24 says, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. That we're seeking the Lord together is a reminder that no matter how long we've been following him, no matter how long we've been walking with Jesus, we never fully arrive on this side of eternity. There's always deeper to go in our relationship with our Lord. He's so much bigger and beyond us that we don't ever figure him out or have him contained. That's going to be an important reality in our lives together. So we're seeking the triune God, and I know some of you might say, oh, the Trinity, good word for theologians and whatnot, but I would remind us all that belief in God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is one of the fundamental realities that distinguishes and has always distinguished legitimate and orthodox Christianity from cults and heresies. And though the word isn't used in the Bible, and though it's not spelled out propositionally, the idea that by the Holy Spirit we're caught up in the Son's reconciling work and made children of our Heavenly Father, that's abundantly clear in the Bible. Romans 8, famous passage, spells this out. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness that our, with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. You see that there? The, the work of Jesus the Son of God, applied to us by the Spirit, reconciling us to our Father. That's what we're all about. And that triune God, one of the fundamental realities of our Christian faith is that our Lord has revealed himself. Christianity is not primarily a, a religion of timeless philosophical ideas. It's about a God who revealed himself in actual events, in actual places and times, throughout history. And in God's Word, in the Bible, we have the record of how God revealed himself to people throughout the ages, culminating in the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. It's all written down there as God inspired the writers of Scripture to record it. It tells us who we are, who God is for us, how we can know him, how we can live in restored relationships with him. You know many of the classic passages from 2 Timothy. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. From 2 Peter, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 
We may discuss or debate the precise nuances of how this happened. We may use different words to describe it. However, we continue to affirm what has been the heartbeat of this community for decades. What's written on the side of that library over there and on the sign out at the entrance to town, the word of our God will stand forever. Make disciples. Pretty basic, or should be. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 famously says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now let's be really clear though. It's very basic, but we also need to be very clear about what making disciples is and what it is not. We can get really busy as churches and as church attenders doing things, attending events, just, just generally being really busy without actual discipleship taking place. Let's just use a quick analogy from gardening. Many of us will be wrapping up our gardens for the season. Some of us had better gardening seasons other years. At least I did. The purpose of growing tomatoes is that at the end of the season, you have tomatoes to eat. That's the point of growing tomatoes. The point of growing tomatoes is not to have the biggest plants possible. It's not to have lots of leaves that you can sculpt into a fancy shape. You do that with bushes and that's fine, but tomatoes are to produce tomatoes that you can then eat as a crop. The whole point is to get healthy fruit at the end of a growing season. So why do I bring this up? Because I fear that churches can get very busy in growing leaves instead of growing fruit. And we can grow some really impressive leaves, but they're not fruit. Jesus, however, commissioned his followers. I am the vine, you are the branches, John 15. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. And then later on, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear much fruit and that your fruit should abide. So as we move forward into this new reality of coming together to form one congregation, let's get really real about where we're putting the majority of our effort. Our lives being changed? Is sin being overcome? Our relationships being restored? Is there a growing hunger to engage with and walk in obedience to Scripture? Is there hunger for prayer? These are the areas where we need to be putting our effort. This is where fruit grows. The last point in this mission statement has to do with kingdom service. Much of that should just be inherent in being a disciple. The point of becoming a disciple and growing as a disciple is not ultimately about yourself. Of course, following Jesus will help you personally to overcome sins, addictions, character issues, relationship issues, and many, many other things. Those are good things. Those are things that I long to see become more true of myself and each one of you as we grow in grace and the knowledge of God. Think of it this way, though. Plenty of people go to the gym or they take up running or something primarily for their own health. You know, maybe, maybe they visited their doctor and the doctor said, you know, it'd be good for you to lose a little weight. 
Maybe it'd be beneficial for some aerobic activity. It would help you with your stress levels, sleep better. But there are other people that do these same activities, not primarily for their own health, but because they're on an athletic team that's playing at a high level. And they need to be in the best physical condition they can be, not for their own health, though that's great. They need to be in top condition and top form so that they can be the best teammates they can possibly be to win games. Right, to get better at playing hockey or volleyball or whatever sport so that your team will win. This is true in our spiritual lives as well. By God's grace and the working of his Holy Spirit, discipleship of personal growth happens in our lives. However, we're called to go beyond the personal growth into kingdom service discipleship. At some point, and probably sooner than many of us would like, we need to hear and obey the call to take what we've been given what's been poured into us, and start pouring into others. There's a further aspect of our context just to unpack here. The whole world is transient. People don't stay at one place, one job for 30 years like they used to. Having said that, though, Cairnport is uniquely transient in that people come here fully knowing that they're only staying here for a short time. They've already got an end date in sight, four years from now, five years from now, whatever. Now there are people, myself included, others of you, who have been called uniquely to stay here for a long time, but that's not typical. Sending people out from here has always been a major part of our identity, and it will continue to be an identity, right? What, how many other communities can say that they've sent missionaries to as many places as this community has, right? All kinds of places around the world. Pastors in communities all over this nation and again, around the world. Can, it can be frustrating, I get that, to feel like we lose people just when they're really starting to develop their gifts and grow in them and emerge as leaders. However, while it's hard, I would challenge us that that's not just something to tolerate. That is something to celebrate, that we raise people up in order to send them out for God's mission in this land and around the world. So that's our mission statement. I would like to conclude by both challenging and reassuring us in a few important key areas. First, the challenges. It's true. We had a church division in our past, and some of you remember it. However, I want to stress as much as I possibly can that the people who currently attend the gathering we're not a part of that. All the people that are going to be joining us are our brothers and sisters in Christ who for one reason or another chose to attend a different church than we do. Perhaps they already knew somebody who was a part of that congregation. Perhaps somebody invited them when they arrived in town, just like somebody maybe invited you to attend this church. Perhaps they just liked the landing better as a place of worship. What I want to stress is that this isn't a group of people who finally got with the program and came back. We are not doing that. We are coming together to form one new church congregation. I want us to be especially considerate of that fact in the months ahead. In a lot of ways, the new reality is going to seem more familiar to us 
who have called Cairnport Community Church home. We'll meet in a different space. We're in here instead of out there in the Edwards. But you know what? We're still going to come probably to the same doors we came to every Sunday to come to gathered worship week by week. We're calling our church by a somewhat different name, it's true, but the lead pastor is still from our congregation. You get the point. I just urge you to be sensitive to our brothers and sisters. Be gracious. As we heard read, do things without complaining and grumbling. Do them in humility. Not assume that we're just going to continue to do everything the same way we've always done them. Here are a couple metaphors that might be helpful. These are things that we've talked about in our staff and leadership. If this merger was buying a new home, okay, we would not be buying a new build, move-in ready with brand new appliances and nothing wrong with it. We would be buying an older home that an elderly couple who just moved into a retirement community owned up until recently. It's got a crack by the basement window where mice sometimes get in. There's a pipe in the laundry room that drips. One side of the roof really could use some new shingles. The layout needs some help and everything is peach colored. Basically, I'm just imagining my grandparents' house uh, in this illustration. Some of you have moved into homes like that. And short of a massive budget and six months to live elsewhere while renos happen, you just have to move in and start working on all those things as best you can. Some of them are more urgent than others. Some of them you do when you have the money and the time down the road. If this merger was a marriage, we would not be two people in their early 20s getting married and starting life together with a blank slate. We would be more like people in their 50s who have been married before, have kids, own property, have established careers, and so forth. People in that situation, they've got to figure a lot of stuff out as they go along. They love each other, they come together, but then they have to make a life together. There's a lot of making it work to be done as a couple and as a family, as a new family. In that process. And I think both of these can kind of be pictures of our, of our coming together as two congregations. Like I said, there's going to be a need for grace for one another, a lot of making it work as we learn to live together. There's going to be a lot of prioritizing of various projects and just getting to them when we can. And like I said earlier, in truth, we wouldn't want to just come up with some master plan of how every single thing in the whole congregation is going to be right from the start. We're a family of faith, and that means we all seek the Lord together for His direction, for our congregation, and the different ministries and initiatives within it. We need to hear from the different voices as church staff and as board members as to what's needed, who can fulfill these ministries said, it's not our role to come up with a master plan that gets everything all the way down to sub, 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 sub points and, and granularity. It's our role to listen to what the Lord begins to stir up in his people as we meet and pray and seek his face together and then help guide us toward that new reality and vision that the Lord's calling us to do. Having said that, I do really want to reassure us that a lot of our life together is not suddenly just going to radically change and you won't recognize everything or anything. You know, from our end, as, as leaders, nobody, nobody really sees any reason to not keep doing most of the things that we do. Uh, for instance, Wes and Carl are, are still, as far as I know, planning on doing Sunday school. The adult class that they've been working on year after year is going to continue. 
Church choir will continue on, probably with a few more members. Evening, Sunday evening fellowship hour. It's a great opportunity to hear from missionaries. We want to keep doing those things. Potlucks will still be a thing. A few of you breathed a sigh of relief. A few of you students especially. The goal, the goal of coming together is not to just arbitrarily take things away. This isn't clearing the decks and blank slating and completely starting from the ground up. Rather, it's to bring the best of what both congregations have to offer, coming together with the gifts that God's given to his people. And in doing that, we realize we have a lot to learn from one another. Now, in closing, I, I recognize I don't have all the answers. Hopefully, what we've talked about today provides answers for some of the big picture things of how our life together is going to work. It's a big change. It's a big change. This, this isn't something that we just decided on lightly. This isn't something that's necessarily just going to be a total walk in the park. But I know, and we all know, that we serve a big God who can handle big change. Read the stories in the scriptures. There are a lot of big changes that happen to God's people throughout the stories of the Bible. And God sustained his people through all those things. And we can trust that if he's leading us into this, he will sustain us, he will continue to, maybe it won't be a pillar of fire, a pillar of cloud, but he will lead us and he will guide us. We serve a God we can trust to provide the answers we need when we need them, to give us grace and patience as we bring this great big family together and to lead us into a future that's bigger and more amazing than anything we can currently imagine. Will you pray with me? Our great God, we see what you're doing. It's an answer to prayer for, for many people, and, and here we, we stand on, on this transitional day, moving from one reality into another. There's, there's lots of emotions on a day like this. But as we've concluded here, Lord, we, we know that, that uh, you are a big God, and you can see us through big changes. Uh, we trust that you will do just that, that you will continue to lead your people into the future that you have for them, that you will take care of us, that you will guide us, that you will do the work in our midst that you have for us, that we won't just survive, but that we will actively and eagerly and with passion and excitement that comes from you live out the mission that you have entrusted to us to continually seek your face and to make disciples and send them out for the kingdom service that you call for. So we commit this to you. Will your spirit be mightily present in our coming together in the weeks ahead? We trust that you will show us the way, that you will give us grace and patience for one another, and that we will look back on this at some point in the future and even then see more clearly the work that you did, and the faithfulness that you showed. And so even though we live in the midst of that now, in this uncertainty perhaps, uh, may we look forward to what you're going to do, and to how you will be faithful, and to how we will celebrate that 
in times to come. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.